I want to begin today's message as I usually do with a question. And I want to ask, what mindset do you put on every morning? All of us, whether intentionally, subconsciously, or unintentionally, we put on a certain mindset as we go out and face our day. Um, almost as a joke, I, I got an app that actually can speak out an alarm, a, a sentence, and I chose a very smooth, uh, beautiful British voice. And forgive me to my British friends here, I'm about to butcher your beautiful accent. But I set up an alarm that at 7 a.m. every day for the past week has been waking up my wife, Linda, uh, saying, good morning, Linda. This is your, you're a rock star. Rock on, get up alarm. And that repeats over and over again. And that was my just funny attempt to, to make her feel good and just take on the day. But it actually had the reverse effect. She got really annoyed at the alarm at me. Um, and so actually put a very negative mindset into uh, her mind. So let me ask again, what mindset do you put on every morning? Some of us certainly, we go out and we have the mindset, I'm deserving. I work hard. I deserve every penny. I deserve every grade. I deserve every recognition. And we're trying to earn a certain life. For some of us, certainly, we are going out with the mindset, I'm going to seize the day. Uh, I'm going to be about adventure and action today. I'm going to carpe diem. For some of us, we are almost robotic, and we are masters of efficiency, and we're going to be productive today. We're not going to waste a single opportunity, a single second or, or resource. And some of us, like I tried to do with Linda, we tried to just motivate ourselves, see ourselves as, as beautiful, as rock stars, and, and, and we go out perhaps even looking into the mirror. You're beautiful. You're smart. You're, this day is being written for you, and we kind of go, try to go out with a positive mindset. Now, today, as a summary of, of the passage and what I think Paul wants to say to us today, what God wants to say to us through Paul in his letter, and I want to summarize it in this uh, prayer, this simple prayer. Lord, and this is the mindset that Christians, that Christ followers are called to have every day. Lord, help me to put on Christ daily. Repeat this prayer. This is a prayer good for your soul. Lord, help me to put on Christ daily. And so to help us understand what Paul means by this and what I see in the passage, ask two questions. What mentality, what mentality are Christ followers to put on daily? And how does the Christ follower find capacity? How do we find the, the ability to sustain this kind of mentality? And how do we find uniquely as Christ followers the capacity to keep up this mentality? So the first question, what mentality are Christ followers to put on daily? Now, first, we have to go back to the beginning of this chapter, uh, chapter 3, uh, verses 1 to 4, and we need to remember this wonderful dynamic in Christian faith. The gospel first gives you a new indicative, a new identity. The gospel states who you are because of whose you are, and from there overflows all the imperatives, all the New Testament ethics. And, and New Testament commands, certainly the New Testament is still full of commands, and we are called to joyful obedience. But it all starts from remembering who the gospel says you are and whose you are. You're indicative. And from there, gladly overflowing into obeying all these imperatives. And today's verses, verses 12 to 17, they are very much tied to verses 1 to 4. In verse 1 here, if then you have been raised with Christ... Paul is speaking to you and me and his listeners directly. You, 
if you have been raised with Christ, there's the indicative, there's your identity, that you have been roused awake by faith, that you are in union with Jesus, and you have all his blessings, all his righteousness, everything about him is meant to be yours as you walk in uh, uh, just abiding with him. And Paul goes on to unpack some uh, imperatives right away. If this is who you are, then first seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds. And so there I feel full confidence to say what mentality are Christians supposed to put on every day? Because Paul says here, set your minds on things that are above. He's speaking of a mentality. So let's get into today's passage then. And he begins first by saying, put on. We're meant to put on this mentality. And and this literally just means to be clothed with, clothe yourself with. Let me try to illustrate. If you get to know me, excuse me, you'll know that I'm a road cyclist. And this is one of my road cycling hats, my my caps, my chapeaus. And and when I put this on, it, it... all of a sudden, immediately, just even putting it on, I enter a certain mentality. I feel like I'm supposed to be hunched over. I, f- I feel like I'm supposed to be fast. I feel like I'm supposed to, and think that I'm, I'm supposed to have lactic acid in my legs and, and feel my heart just raging and, and sweat pounding. And I'm, I also feel camaraderie. I feel the other cyclists around me and us in a straight pace line and cutting through the wind together. And in this moment, I know I need to feel courage and confidence, Will, because I know what you're thinking is you look like a clown with that colorful hat on, right? So it gives me a certain mentality. I put this on. But if I switch to this blazer, and all of a sudden I put on this blazer, it's a completely different mentality. All of a sudden I feel I have to be mature. (laughs) I have to be professional. I have to be sharp and and, and have something smart to say, right? What Paul is saying is just as you intentionally or unintentionally put on certain clothes and it makes you feel a certain way, think a certain way as you go out about your day, you and I are also meant to put on, clothe ourselves intentionally with what he's about to unpack. So what are we supposed to clothe ourselves with? Now, let me, before we go on, then let me just put it differently. This is an imperative, This is your choice. This is your choice every morning, every situation for you to clothe yourself intentionally a certain way. And so Paul now, let's get into it. He says, clothe yourself, put on, and I'll word it as your truest, deepest, and eternal identity. And we see this in verse 12 when he says, put on then, clothe yourself as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved first notice that he says God's. He wants to remind you, and this identity, this gospel indicative is repeated from the beginning of Scripture to the end, and I, as a preacher, will be unapologetic to preach this over and over and over again. It can never become stale to mine the implications and and the meaning of the fact that you are God's. He is for you, He loves you. He created you. He is with you. He has forgiven you. Just everything about being God's. And notice here that Paul intentionally chooses descriptions that come from the Old Testament, that you are God's chosen ones. Israel was God's chosen people, that you are holy. And this is from the Old Testament. God introduces this vocabulary to us because he is holy, and he wants us to be set apart 
It doesn't mean that you and I are perfect, that we, we clean up our act and we make no more mistakes, but by the mere fact that we are God's and we are brought into his fold, that we are also set apart and made holy, and we are God's beloved. This is from uh, the Old Testament as well, where God says to Israel that I have chosen you not because you are so great and whatnot, just because you are precious to me. My affection, you are the object of my affection. And what Paul is doing now as he thinks through the story of the world, as he thinks through all of history, and more specifically, God writing this redemptive history, this beautiful salvation story, starting with the ethnic people of Israel and the people of God, but now the fulfillment, the the peak of God's object of his affection is the church, is you and me seated here today, for those of us who have placed our faith in Christ, gathered here as the local church, you and I are God's chosen, holy, beloved, the object of his affection. And so we're to put on each day to be reminded, if you want to, if you're the type where it helps to look into the mirror as you're brushing your teeth and just to repeat certain things about your identity, then repeat this to yourself. Preach this to your own heart. As you go about your day, as you face whatever stress you're about to, whatever difficulty, whatever even now potential for success so that you don't become seduced by that success, repeat to yourself, preach to yourself that I am God's chosen, holy, and beloved child. Now, the next thing that we're meant to put on, there's a lot there in the next few verses, and and so I had to make up a word, uh, and I have to warn you a little bit, you're going to get a glimpse into my kooky, quirky mind, but I had to make up a word, and, and Paul is asking us to put on, this is not a typo, put on cokey hump beef, okay? It's not Kobe beef, this is not Greek, this is not Hebrew, this is just a word concocted in the strange imagination of Albert Chung, but it's actually grounded in, in the scripture, okay? Verse 12, compassionate hearts, we're meant to intentionally clothe ourselves with compassionate hearts, CEO. We're meant to intentionally clothe ourselves with kindness, KI. We're meant to intentionally clothe ourselves with humility, HU. We're meant to clothe ourselves with meekness, M, and patience, P, and bearing with one another, BEA, and forgiving each other. Now, I, I came up with this word and I tested myself, and, and it's actually, if you just take time to memorize the word Koki Hump Beef, it's really easy. Compassion, kindness, Uh, humility, (laughs) meekness, patience, bearing with one another, forgiveness. How do you remember all that in one shot? When when you're facing that fork in the road, you need to act a certain way as a Christ follower, just remember cokey hump beef, okay? Um, Now, all joking aside, let's, let's run through these things. And what does Paul mean? The Christ follower is meant to clothe themselves intentionally with a compassionate heart, which just literally means Sympathy from the spleen. Heart here is the word for actually a spleen. And, and, and the imagery is just from deep inside. And sympathy is coming alongside someone and feeling, doing your best to feel what they feel, whether it's their pain or whether it's their joy. And, and Christ followers, above everyone else, are meant to be people that, that walk alongside one another, walk alongside people through all the peaks and valleys of life. We're meant to clothe ourselves with kindness, which could, in other words, be 
mercy, and goodness. And above everyone else, we're supposed to stand out in a crowd that we, by some strength that we have, to demonstrate as much goodness and mercy. Now, this is so countercultural. This is so difficult, especially when you live in a performance-driven world, a cutthroat world, a world where everyone is competing to get that extra edge and to show kindness, goodness, mercy. It, it might seem like a disadvantage, but this is what we're intentionally supposed to clothe ourselves with. We're supposed to clothe ourselves with humility. Humility is just seeing yourself accurately. Humility is not being arrogant or not being self-defeating. Humility is avoiding overestimating yourself or underestimating yourself. It's just seeing yourself for who you truly are. And the cross of Jesus Christ and his grace and his love provide humility most powerfully because when you and I stand before the cross, first we're exposed. Our flaws, our deepest flaws, our sin, all our mistakes, Every way we fall short, our messiness is exposed. But also the cross of Christ, it reveals your greatest worth. Where God would be willing to place his son in, place, in your stead on the cross, your deepest, greatest worth is revealed. And so Christianity, following Jesus, and bearing our cross and standing before him and, and, and just uh, worshiping Jesus as he is hanging on the cross and in his resurrection, it provides humility like no other thing can. We're supposed to clothe on for ourselves meekness. Meekness is strength under control, which manifests itself in gentleness. A synonym for meekness could be gentleness, but don't be mistaken. Scripture here, when Jesus says, blessed are the meek, and Paul is calling us to clothe ourselves with meekness, a gentleness, it doesn't mean that you're just, you have to be born with a more gentle disposition. But this is also speaking to those who have strength, authority, for those who have a temperament that is naturally more loud, or, or you, you naturally react more quickly. Meekness is taking all your strength, and, and almost like a tamed lion, and expressing, choosing to express gentleness in, those, in the right situations. But meekness as well, because it's strength under control in the right moments, unleashing that strength as well, and exerting that authority and power where need be and called for. Patience just literally means steadfastness, holding the course, especially when things are difficult. And then Paul elaborates on patience, really another type of patience, bearing with one another. And here, Paul is assuming, he's, he's getting at, he's admitting that even Christians, as we're gathered as the local church, remember the context here is he's speaking to life in the church, life in this faith community, and he's assuming that we're going to get under each other's skins. He's assuming that we're going to make mistakes towards one another. And not even intentionally, unintentionally at times, we might grieve one another, offend one another. And Paul is assuming in those moments then, intentionally clothe yourself with this characteristic of bearing with one another and which leads naturally to this last clothing, forgiving each other. Forgiving each other. I love how Duke, Dick Lucas uh, summarizes it. Let me just read this thought from his commentary. The acts of God that revealed those divine qualities par excellence meaning he's speaking of Jesus Christ come to this earth and 
everything who Jesus was and how he related to people. Show us just what will be needed to bring the blessings of the new covenant, meaning this new covenant of grace, living in the gospel, to weak and sinful people, and to maintain, maintain their cause. It's easy to have a honeymoon period as a Christian, but beyond that honeymoon period, when we actually start doing real life together, we get closer, and as you get closer, you, 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 we encounter each other's flaws to maintain their cause of living out this gospel faith in gospel community despite repeated offenses and backsliding. So how do we do this then? Perhaps in your life, very quickly, someone comes to mind today, oh, it's so hard to forgive that person again. It's so hard to bear with that person again, to show patience, to show kindness. I want to just let my ego expand and just let this person have a piece of my mind with my zinger words. So how does the Christ follower find capacity? How do we find capacity to put on this mentality daily? Now, I want to just admit a, a, a weakness from my past. And I remember when I was in high school, a polo uh, maybe you're familiar, it was a clothing brand, and it was sort of the, the popular brand, and, and my parents didn't buy me uh, really any of it, but one time, and I wanted it so much because all my friends were wearing it, but one time I received a gift of a polo shirt from a relative in Korea, and uh, it was a shirt, and then this is how much I wanted to have this brand, to identify with this brand, and where I, I found myself worth in it, that I had an idea, oh, let's, let's stretch the, the brand power. And so I carefully unstitched the label and then sewed it onto a scarf so I could have at least one more piece of clothing that appeared to be this brand. And I remember I would wear it just, you know, with the, 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 the label showing out and wondering if people would notice. You know, I, I had issues. I admit I had issues. And... and <laughs> And, but my point is this, see, that was a certain type of clothing, putting on a certain type of clothing and wanting to find your worth, your identity in what you're putting on. And my inspiration, the question I want to ask is, what is your inspiration and motivation for putting on all these things? My inspiration in that concrete example was something temporary, was something material, was, and my motivation was wanting to be accepted, uh, to be part of the, the cool kids, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now, similarly then, when we think of all these characteristics that Paul tells us to put on, compassion, humility, kindness of heart, et cetera, et cetera, what is your inspiration and motivation? Because depending on your answer to this, that will determine your capacity. Case in point, I love that the TDSB does this, but they set out character traits for the year and each month. And so respect is September. In October, it's responsibility. They focus on these character traits, empathy, kindness and caring, teamwork, fairness, honesty, cooperation, integrity, perseverance. And each month, they have an assembly and they have a character reward. And teachers identify students in their class uh, who have demonstrated these characteristics and they're recognized in front of the whole school and given a certificate. And so this is a great exercise. And what I want you to notice is um, that this list, it's not 
exactly similar to the list that Paul gave, but it's very similar. Now, I'm not trying to say, and no Christian in their right mind should be on a high horse morally and think that Christianity has a monopoly on good traits and morality. As a quick side note, I, I believe that even humans who don't follow Jesus can be very good moral people because we are created in the image of God and his common grace is there for all of us and his moral image is still on us, albeit broken. And so in every human heart, there is a longing to aspire to these kind of characteristics. But the question is, the question is, what is your inspiration and motivation to put on these character traits? Is it so that you'll be recognized? Is it so that you'll receive some kind of award? Is it because you believe that as you pile up a a resume of acting out these things that you can actually be saved uh, before God? What is your inspiration and motivation? The answer to the question to this reveals your capacity to continue in this because let's be honest, we run dry. Perhaps you'll have a good day of being fair or empathetic or having a compassionate heart or forgiving, but at some point your human heart will run dry. So where do we find the capacity? Paul gives us the answer. Verse 13, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Now Paul, just in his brilliance, he's He's killing two birds with one stone here. First, he's also giving us one more thing to clothe ourselves with. Right here in the sentence, he's giving us gospel wisdom of how we maintain this capacity. Basically, in different words, we are to put on Christ. Every day, we are to have the mentality of putting on Christ. Lord, help me to put on Christ daily. As the Lord has forgiven you, he's starting by focusing on Christ and what Christ has done and who Christ is. And that's supposed to translate into you being able to forgive and be as Christ is. I love what Caspar Olevianus says back in the 1500s, one of the fathers of the Reformation. And he says these words commenting on this passage, just as Christ forgave you, make our faith strong and upright meaning focus on Christ and what he's done for you. That will make your faith strong and upright so that we may have peace in our conscience. Paul does not want the Colossians to doubt. Really focus on this next sentence that Casper's saying. Paul does not want the Colossians to doubt whether Christ might perhaps forgive, meaning what Christ has done is solid, is irrevocable, is permanent, is for you by faith. It's, it's yours every morning, every situation. It can be yours. It is yours. It's there for you. Not if you sin, but when you sin, when you sin again, Christ's forgiveness is there for you. Everything of who Christ is, his patience, his humility, his kindness, his gentleness, his meekness, his, his power, everything, his righteousness is there for you. It's not a maybe. It's certain. Paul does not want the Colossians to doubt whether Christ might perhaps forgive, as many calmly do who possess no fullness of faith. And so you and I, how are we going to have capacity to keep putting these things on as we keep 
putting on Christ. And so he elaborates in verse 14, and above all these things, put on love. Now here, I want to argue that Paul is actually speaking up. We could translate it, paraphrase it, put on Christ again, because this love is a very unique Christian love. It's, it's love where if, if Christianity has a monopoly on anything, at least back then, it was agape love, and, and Christians made this word popular. Christian, Christians brought this word, this word for love to the forefront, it, and, and in the original language, it's agape love, self-sacrificial love. It's a word that Christians took from the Greek vocabulary and owned it and said, this is what characterizes following Jesus. And the only one example, the one true existence, not only example, but existence of self-sacrificial love is Jesus. I know some of us here, we, some of us think we're self-sacrificial, but really it's more like benefit-sacrificial. Will I be appreciated sacrificial? Not true self-sacrifice. Jesus is the one person who demonstrated agape love in history, who truly emptied himself without expecting anything. And to put on above all these things, and really the nuance of the languages here is that this is what undergirds everything. This is what brings everything together for the fashion people here, that completer piece, right? That piece of clothing or accessory that just brings everything together. Christ love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And so here is gospel dynamic. This is a dynamic that needs to repeat in your life over and over again. This is what it means to have overflowing grace in your life. Overflowing grace is as the Lord has blank, not only forgiven me, but as the Lord has blank towards me. And you fill that in, what Christ has done towards you. So I also must blank. This is how we experience the gospel in our lives. And so Paul, I'm just going to run quickly through these other ones. As we ask the question, how, how, do we keep, how do we have capacity? How do we maintain capacity to keep putting on this mentality? Because this is a high calling. No human being in their own strength can continue to be saintly like this list is calling us to be. And so Paul, he goes on to elaborate, if you want to have this capacity, let the peace of Christ rule. The way we're going to continue living out cokey hump beef, if you'll just uh, oblige me. Uh, let the peace of Christ rule, meaning the quietness and rest, knowing that you are okay with God now. God is okay with you. Everything's good now. That he has reconciled you to himself. And you no longer have to have the anxiety, does God love me? What does he think of me? Does he accept me? No. As you have that peace that Christ has purchased, and you let it rule. I love this word rule. It, it literally means to umpire. And so imagine, you know, just the umpire at baseball standing behind the plate. You're at bat, and life is throwing things at you. And it's the peace of Christ that will call certain things a strike or a ball. Just don't deal with that. That's good. Do that, you know, let that into your life. Let that into your heart and in your mind space. But knowing, just the, the filter is knowing that you have been reconciled with God and having this peace rule in you. If you have this peace rule in you, you'll, you'll find an ability 
to stay calm. As you, in those moments where there's a trigger of stress or, and you feel your temper right there and you, you want to just explode with certain words, but you're in prayer inside and say, Lord, help me. I, I need you. I need you to be put on me. I need your peace. And, and you can pray that quickly in your mind. And in those situations, I'm hopeful that the Holy Spirit will help you react differently than you might have in the past. But also, if we're meant to uh, continue to have capacity, Paul says very simply and very matter-of-factly, be thankful. Again, notice be. Be. This is your choice. This is an imperative. You're called to a joyful obedience, and it's your choice to be thankful. Thankfulness is a choice. This is just common wisdom, and, and therefore it's a habit. And for the Christ follower, no less, this is meant to be a habit. But our motivation and inspiration, again, is different. Thankfulness is a direct counterpunch to the discontentment that led to the curse of the fall in the first place. As Eve and Adam, standing by her side, just looked on that fruit, the knowledge of good and evil. And she was wondering, could she be as wise as God? There was a discontentment. There was a lack of thankfulness for the universe that God had just laid before her and Adam as a gift and perfect relationship with him. You see, thankfulness is the gospel counterpunch to the very thing that catalyzed the curse in the fall. And this is your choice. This is your habit to build to be thankful for God and Christ and all the blessings he has poured out in your life. And we also continue to increase capacity to maintain this daily mentality of putting on Christ as we let the word of Christ dwell richly. Now, to dwell, it means to influence, to inhabit, but not just inhabit, but to let influence. It's as if you let someone come into your home and live there, and then all of a sudden, for better or worse, here, of course, for the better, but they begin to change all the decor, or they begin to cook things that you never used to cook, and so now there's a different fragrance, or, or maybe, you know, odor for the worse in your home. But here, for the better, let the word of Christ inhabit you and influence you richly. And, and by richly, Paul is saying there's a plethora of ways that we can just be imbibed in the Word of God, to take in the Word of God. And he lists a few off here. That's why it's good to keep coming back to church on Sundays to worship together, to be part of a new community, because he says teaching and admonishing. Admonishing means gently correcting. Right? Christianity is, is not meant to be a condemning faith or a judgmental faith, but nevertheless, that we gently, as there's a safe buffer space of God's grace that we gently correct one another and we sit under the word. And that's the motivation behind the elders uh, gifting the church with uh, right now media that just, you just imbibe yourself more and more with solid gospel teaching. And we need to do this together, not just teaching yourself, not just watching a video by yourself in your room, but with one another and singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Because these, at least at Trinity Grace Church, we make effort that the lyrics will really represent the gospel and, and the perfections of God and the goodness of God. And as you sing, that, that all 
you take it all in, and it begins to influence you. Sometimes when I'm stressed out, I intentionally play some praise music. And all of a sudden, just listening to praise and hymns, it begins to change my mentality and change my perspective. And then finally, Paul says, do everything. If we're going to keep capacity to stay in this mentality of living out a Christ-likeness, do everything, and he gets, comes full circle back to the gospel indicative as Christ's child. And whatever you do, whatever you do, so this covers the whole spectrum of all your activities in life, from small trivial things to great big life-changing things in your life, whatever you do in word or deed, do everything, and his focus is here in the name of the Lord Jesus. Meaning, as a child with his name on your life now. He's probably assuming that they've been baptized as well, that you've been brought into the family of God in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Spirit. And he repeats it again, giving thanks. Giving thanks to God the Father through Jesus. And so one song that I hadn't heard in a long time, but somehow came up in my playlist this week and was just another concrete example of what Paul's talking about here, just letting the word of Christ dwell richly. I, I was a little bit stressed in that moment, and this song popped up, and, and it just brought me into the presence of God because of the wonderful gospel truths here, and so I offer it to you just to close the sermon. Father, let me dedicate all this life to thee, in whatever worldly state thou wilt have me be, not from sorrow, pain, or care, freedom dare I claim. The next verse, can a child presume to choose where or how to live? Can a father's love refuse all the best to give? Let my glad heart, while it sings, thee and all proclaim, and whatever the future brings, glorify thy name. Lord, help me to put on Christ daily. Amen.